Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, or you can stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com, which also has full links to the show notes and guests. If you want to support the show, there's a support tab at the top of the website. If you want to contact the show, it is abouttoreview at gmail.com. Joining me on this week's adventure uh, through only a couple things, actually, other than a bunch of geek news. Yeah is tim hall the people's critic it's always good to be back oh th- thank you it is good to have you back and not with you necessarily but just good to be back just, just good to be back in the studio as <laughs> if i wasn't on a podcast I was like, yesterday <laughs> i was like how often are you here when i am not here <laughs> that, all the time that just, would be even more just weird. recording stuff in your studio <laughs> right? uh yeah so this week's episode like i mentioned is yeah we only have a couple things so uh, the first episode of titans on dc universe okay. dropped so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, Daredevil Season 3, we will do kind of a deep dive into that, and then the only movie for this week is, again, the movie that we have been talking about for months, Tim has been super excited about it mm-hmm. for a year now, it is Halloween, uh, with the OG crew, pretty wow. much, on it. So, that will be on this week's episode. Before we get into that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damon Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat. Yeah. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah. So as I mentioned, that happened uh, this past week in the geek news and geek sphere and film and media mm-hmm. world. Uh, top of it is so the team behind the Sherlock. Wait, this is the this is your top news story? Well, it's just they're not in any like <laughs> no. I would you just, said top of it. I was thinking like this is the most important news story. No, no that okay. actually uh, that might be ooh, like number eight on, on the news. Um, but yeah, so really. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we, yeah we'll, we'll get there. We'll so get there. The yeah. first thing, I should say. Yeah. Not the, oh, my God, the top thing. <laughs> the first thing that actually I read about that I'm excited for. Wow. So Mark Gaddis and Stephen Moffat mm-hmm. from, of course, Doctor Who and the relaunched Sherlock TV show. Not even relaunched. The Sherlock TV show. Uh, announced that they're going to be doing a Dracula TV show. Three, like, 90-minute episodes. Oh, very Sherlockish. I love that format. American producers... <laughs> Please pay attention. Why would you assume they would do that? I, I know. Why? I, I have hopes. It's, it's um, driven by advertising. There's no way the studios are signing off on it. Your best bet is someplace like Netflix or Hulu or yeah. Amazon Prime adopting that model. It's not going to be the network. Broadcast. Yeah. No, they're not going to do that. Yeah. So this 90, three 90-minute 90 <laughs> episodes. And again, the, these are just kind of – they just announced it. Right. So you know these could fluctuate a little bit. But a Dracula TV show from the creators who have a stellar record so far – I'm a hundred percent on board. Yeah, I'm and into it. What is great is like Dracula essentially is in public domain at this point, mm-hmm. so anybody can do a Dracula story. If you are listening to this and you are a writer mm-hmm. and you have always wanted to do a Dracula story, 
literally nothing is stopping you. Like, you can use any of those characters from the original story, so go for it. Yeah, I don't know what characters they can use or what what kind of restraints they have. I'm more interested in what kind of story they're going to tell. And is it a modern Dracula? Is it an older Dracula? Is it 19th century? What are we doing with the story? And if they can tell a fascinating story, that would be cool. Do you remember Dracula 2000? Uh, Yes. I liked the story. The movie didn't. The movie wasn't the best. Awful. Uh, but the, the story, the it was like a different look at Dracula, mm-hmm. and I wonder if it's going to be told from Dracula's perspective, or is it going to be told from I don't know, a Van Helsing like mm-hmm. character who's who or some detective uh, yeah. in in London who's searching down Dracula. We'll see. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm interested to see what kind of because they've done a good job with the Doctor Who stories mm-hmm. and with the Sherlock stories, so I'm interested to see what kind of twist they put on this Dracula. And it, like that is the thing is <clears throat> watching the things that they have done so far. Mm-hmm. Throw Dracula in there, like if they've the, been inventive with, yeah, the, with like their storytelling. They, they, that could work. So I'm down for it. As far as Dracula 2000, was that the one where it was Gerard Butler? Yeah, where it was leading you to believe in the story that Dracula was the Apostle Paul. No, he was um, Peter. No, he was uh, uh, oh, man. Judas. Judas. There we go. Mm-hmm. It was leading you that that path the whole time. He betrayed him, and that was part of his curse. I was like, oh, that's a cool mythology (laughs) you would add to Dracula. That's how we got him. I remember watching that. I was probably at, like, going to Catholic school at that time and being like, wait a minute. Yeah, they do this weird (laughs) flashback of, like, Jesus on the cross, and he's got the gold, and he's... And falls out of his pocket. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's Judas. I remember watching that being like... 20 pieces of silver. It was an interesting twist, but that movie was trash. Yeah, not a great movie, but I liked... You know, the, the idea of adding different mythology attached yeah. to him. And also, I think vampire stories are tragic love stories. Yeah. At their core. I mean, and when you look at Bram Stoker's Dracula <laughs> yeah. with Gary Oldman, yeah. that was a different type of version that we had seen before. Right. Yeah, you can... The thing with vampire stories in general, yeah. as was proven by Twilight, you literally can do anything. Like, you can add something to the mythos. Like, oh, no, they can be out in the day, and they sparkle. Yeah. And they're vegetarian. And the, yeah. what? Like, yeah, you can do a bunch of weird It stuff. was dumb, but <clears throat> the fact that she was like, you know what? Who cares? Yeah. So, I'm down for that. Uh, I'm excited for it. Maybe, like, 2021, you know, when we get this. Yeah, but I'm excited again, to see what those they do. Three 90-minute episodes, you can crank those out pretty easily. And they felt like mini-movies, which I think yeah. is an easier story arc than, like, let me cram this into 52 minutes of television. That or, and we'll get to it later... The season of Daredevil was 13 episodes. Could have been 10. Really good. I've been like, come on. And this is... Like you didn't like your Karen Page solo episode? Uh, and like, like Karen in college doing cocaine? <laughs> like we were talking about... Like, why are we watching Before this? it was like, oh, the Netflix model or the Amazon studio <clears throat> might pick up that short... Nope. They are still bloating. No, they can. They can. They can. But they're just bloating these storylines. So we will see. They can. That's a choice to do the 13. I get it. But they can yeah. do it. Very true. Uh, <clears throat> the next bit. So... If we go back in the way back machine, mm-hmm. the last Captain Collaboration episode with all four of us. Uh, we're not using that term. You, me, Tim. <laughs> you, me, Tim. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember that with you, me, and Tim? Yeah, I remember that. Wow. <laughs> you, me, Jess, and Damien. Yeah. Uh, that we recorded way back at Emerald City Comic Con in March, and that they just recently uh, dropped. We were talking about our favorite afternoon cartoons. Mm-hmm. One of mine that everybody crapped on me about was Gargoyles. Yeah, why would you like Gargoyles? Because it was a great show. So great, in fact, that Jordan Peele, amazing director, Mm -hmm. writer, actor, Jordan Peele, 
has optioned Disney, or like not optioned them. He went to Disney and he was like, hey, I liked Gargoyles. I would love to do a new version. The th- that, that validates no. my love for Gargoyles. It doesn't. It just means someone wanted to remake it. Sometimes you, re- you recycle trash to make something better. That's Gar- fine. Gargoyles was so good. That's fine. I'm glad he's doing it. If he can put a cool touch on it, I hope it's fun. Uh, it already had a cool touch. It's not. It had a- shadow. It had depth. I recommend people watching Gargoyle and then replying back with yes. their, how they felt about the show. Please do. Um... So that I predict lots of thumbs downs from people. Disagree. <laughs> so that was just that was really cool because Jordan like nobody has talked about gargoyles for as long as I talked about gargoyles yeah. on that episode. Right. Listen, um, I'm a fan of remaking bad movies and bad stuff and making it better. I'm also I'm uh, always a fan of that. Like why are we remaking The Godfather? It's good. Why remake Scarface? It's fine. Like remake something that's not okay. That's okay. We make something that's okay. Or take something that was already good and add some more mythos to it, like we talked about. So, Jordan Peele, I mean, again, and those were, like, he went to Disney, talked about it. Who knows, again, if that will kind of go anywhere. The cool thing about Gargoyles, and, like, this actually, this is outside of the cartoon and everything. Mm -hmm. The original creator of Gargoyles Mm -hmm. still maintains the website. Like, he still is actively involved as opposed to a lot of things that you and I kind of see from these creators where they create something and then they kind of move on, which is mm-hmm. fine. And he has, but he still has a passion for like that first kind of thing that he created. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I love that. I love that he still has a connection mm-hmm. to it. People love the ugly kids. That's fine. Wow. That's fine. Wow. <laughs> That's totally fine. Shots fired. I, appre- I appreciate it. No, it's not ugly. <laughs> it's just, I wish I didn't understand, I guess I don't <laughs> understand that your admiration. I appreciate it. Mm hmm. I don't think me, Jessica, or Damon understood that aberration. No, uh, that, we've all watched. That, that was apparent. Like, it was like, this is okay. I don't know why this is on your, like, why you're gushing over the show. But you saw something in it that we didn't see. Yeah. And hopefully, I think Jordan sees the same thing. And hopefully he can create, some, create something that's great out of it. Yeah, it was that's also one of the only major properties mm-hmm. in movies that I had a toy from. Like a legit toy wow, from you that. were really deep. Uh, well, I think I got it because, like, my best friend, he got one. We were, do you remember KB Toys? Yeah. We used to go there all the time. Yep. So KB Toys, they would have, like, the discount bin. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was where I found this awesome Goliath figure where he could press a button on his back and his wings wings popped out. Yeah. It was awesome. It was my favorite KB Toy uh, memory was going past KB Toy Store mm-hmm. and watching Reggie Miller score, like, 100 points against the Knicks in 90 seconds. I was oh, at the mall wow. and it happened. Yeah. And it was on the TV. And I was like, In what KB it? Toys? Yeah. It was like it was like a window that was facing out. Okay. And I was like, "What is happening?" And he scored all those points, and me and my friend were just watching, like, "Wow, that just nice. happened in real life." I like that your favorite KB Toys memory has nothing to do with nothing. What was inside the well, store? As soon as I think of KB Toys, <laughs> I have way more toy, Toys R Us memories. See, I have none. Well, yeah. I have not a single Toys R Us memory. Because have you been in one? I think so. Oh, what do you mean you think so? You know if you've been. That in was one. just that was not something we gotta we... get. We gotta get you to one. Um, that might be challenging, my friend. You know, now if we were to go to one, it would just be a warehouse. That's fine. We'll get you inside. Wait, is this Tim's plot to murder me? Is yeah. that what has been happening this whole time? Like, yeah. he comes into my studio and I'm not here. It's like, good fellas, come here. Come down this alleyway. Or, uh, come this, come Miller's Crossing. Yeah. I love yeah. that part of Miller's Crossing. Um, but yeah, so that should be interesting. I'm down for it. Uh, the other thing that I'm really excited of about that a lot are. of people seem to be poo-pooing. Who's poo-pooing this? A lot of people. <laughs> what? So, they are making a movie musical, yeah. another movie musical, of the musical Cats. I have talked about it before. Yeah. Jennifer Hudson is already part of the cast. Uh, Taylor Swift, which, meh, whatever. She's going to yell sing in the whole thing, Jennifer Hudson? What was that? She's going to yell sing the whole time? 
Well, it depends on who she is. I doubt she would be Grizabella, the glamour cat. Um, <laughs> God. Uh, but she could, yeah, she could be a few different characters. But with the cats casting news, yeah. Idris Elba has joined the cast. I have no idea who he's going to be. He could be Ramatam Tugger, uh, Mr. Mistopheles, who is kind of the MC of the whole thing. Uh, most likely, it would be Ramatam Tugger. I'm putting that My on My friend has a cat wax. named Mr. Mistopheles. Boom. There you go. <laughs> okay. That only makes sense if it is a black cat. I, I don't even know. That's, Come on. <laughs> that's all I know. It needs to be that, a tuxedo cat because that would be perfect. That's my friend's cast name. Uh, but yeah, Idris Elba has joined under the cast. As far as I know, I do not know of roles where he has been singing. Do you, like, I know he has done stage work, but... He's, he does music. I, mean, in, I know he has been a DJ time. for like... So, I don't ever. know. Do you, do you have to sing, sing for this? Yeah. Well, if he has Ramatam Tugger, he has... Do you have to sing, sing for this is the real is the question. The answer, John, is no, you don't. If you, you put me don't. on a mask, then I'd rather have a rat. You don't have to sing, sing for this. And it's a, not a it's not a play. True. A, I mean, this is not Les Mis. Yes. Two, so you don't have to sing, sing for totally this. totally different. You don't have to sing, sing. Like I have talked about before, I can break down most musicals and kind of pull out pieces and be like, oh, you should watch this because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. Even though Les Mis is still in my top three least favorite musicals, the movie rendition of it is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, I gotta hand it to them. With cats, it is people walking around singing, dancing, yeah. in makeup as cats. I got nothing. I love it, but I cannot defend it. Uh, but I'm excited for this movie. Um, we'll see. I have no idea how they're gonna do the movie. I mean, they most likely will do it. I mean, again, this is total speculation. Like a Les Mis, like a Phantom. Rent Chicago. I don't know. The only movie version of Cats that they have done was when they filmed a version for TV. I remember that. Yeah, on stage, mm-hmm. which they did with Rent. The last time they performed Rent on Broadway, they filmed it. A uh, really it, good production. It could actually. be very much like Chicago, where they did these, they intercut like the story, and then they had these huge set musical type pieces in it. Yeah. Because that worked yep. for Chicago for that whole prison scene in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The Mr. Cellophane Man sequence in Chicago has that. All that. Where there are only like two or three set pieces. Yeah. And then just interstitial things. Right. That would, I mean, with Cats, Cats is one of the rare, not just musicals, theater productions has one set. Like, yeah. essentially, it is one area that everything happens in. They may, they might, they change out a couple things. Um, I mean, yeah, when the Jellicle Ball starts, a stairway comes down, uh, and the Jellicle <laughs> Cat is chosen. <laughs> um, yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. But I just. How many sleeps am I getting in this? Four. Uh, none. Four. Actually, you will sleep. Four. You will sleep during the Ladybug song, yeah. but that one is just weird. We'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, the, having a good cast helps. But yes. Whatever they put around this cast is going to be equally as important. Mm-hmm. In the kind of sto- and how they tell the story, the framing of it. Yeah. Can, can remember that that movie Nine, that musical. Yeah. The framing didn't work for no. it. No. I remember somebody. The music was fine. Yeah. Somebody they, bought that for me. Yeah. For like my birthday, they're like, "Oh, we heard you like musical." And they're yeah. like, "The cast Thanks. is fine, but the framing of the story it yeah. just didn't fit." I remember mm-hmm. being like, wow, this should have worked, and it just didn't work. Yeah. So hopefully it's not another nine situation, and it's they can figure out a way to frame these songs and make them feel cinematic, because you want it to feel like a theater. It's got to feel cinematic. It, it does, and with Cats, honestly, <laughs> as much as I love it, stupid costumes. It, it is going to be tough. No, it's brilliant costumes. Like, the behind-the-scenes yeah. makeup and costume design. They look great right on stage. Yeah. It would look stupid in a film. Which again is what I'm worried about because there's so many things we forgive for stage performances because we realize course. it's a stage. Yeah. Right? Even Crappy when... backdrops, <laughs> lines showing, 
uh, weird costume to just do not work in film. They don't work. Yeah. So they've got to figure out how to make that work. I was rewatching uh, Phantom with Gerard Butler yeah. again. Forgot about that. Because <laughs> um, it was on Netflix. I really did not hate it as much as I did the first time I saw it. Yeah. It just is not the same. Yeah. Gerard yeah. Butler, I still do not understand that choice. Um, we can I've... barely understand him when he is speaking, let alone when he is singing. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, yeah, he just Elba, 100% on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, except when they start playing Memories, I might just bounce. I have heard that song. Is he going to walk out of the theater? Any of us who, like, like you, get up and walk out? <laughs> spend time in musical theater yeah. have heard Memories yeah. and Castle on a Cloud. I've heard those songs a million times at every audition. So, uh, yeah. So moving from exciting casting news Mm -hmm. to casting news that I truly do not understand. Yeah. So there's a show on TV called Gotham, Mm -hmm. which for some reason is still in its fifth season. Five seasons in. I have seen two episodes. I watched most of the first season. It was like I, I, tried. I, I and ejected. It was like this is uh, yeah. yeah, we've gone too far. We talked about that recently. Yeah, and I, I tried, but it was just not worth it. But on the success of the fifth season, they were like, you know what people have really been wanting? A Pennyworth show. Yeah. Called With, Alfred. No, called Pennyworth. Pennyworth? Called Pennyworth oh, about gosh. Alfred Pennyworth, his butler, who was an SAS agent born in the 20s who then this show as of right now is going to take place in the 60s where he first meets thomas wayne here is one of the things that i never understood about this new mythos of alfred Mm -hmm. because back in the day he was never an sas agent he was never this james bond style he was just a butler yeah the confidant like yeah the confidant yeah nowadays or not nowadays in the past when did they first do that it's like 15 years ago that he was this former SAS agent. Okay, so at, one, at some point, then Thomas is like, you are an incredible agent. Be my butler. Not now, be if my it, if it were, butler. If it were like, you, I need you as security. Yeah. At some point, that morphed into becoming a butler. As He's in disguise. I understand that. Completely. Uh, what what better way to be disguised than someone's servant? That they would, they were, you're the last person they would think would be security. Because you're a servant. But he is still doing those butler things, like bringing them coffee every morning, yeah. changing Bruce's diapers, all of that stuff. That's fine. So it was like, so nobody was asking for this show. Uh, but they cast, oh, what is this young man's name? Jack Bannon. Uh, why, do I, why is he familiar? I did not know anything about this kid. Uh, let me pull it up again. He was in something that we've seen. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, <clears throat> but the name is super familiar. Jack Bannon, The Imitation Game. Yes. Uh, he was the in Imitation that. Game. He was in Fury. Yeah. Uh, a, a few things. So, yeah, he was cast as Alfred. Wait, is he, is he on uh, that one show? Leonard's what, what, what else is he in? Uh, Fran and the Moth, Tortilla, Endeavor, The Lock, Click. What's it? Ripper Street. He was in one episode of that. Kids in Love, Figments, A Plea for Grimsby, Fury, Imitation Game, The Giblet Boys, Shadow Play. That's it? Yep. Yeah. It's an Imitation Game where I know him from. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> so I don't know. Fox is weird. Fox is weird with the so shows that they pick weird. up, and then they, they they cancel shows all the time with the quickness. They've got a quick trigger over at Fox. So, yeah. and yet with who this knows one, how long will last? Because Fox is quick to be like, well, they I mean, said they they ordered a ten episode series. That doesn't mean anything. Exactly. This early in the production that they just cast Pennyworth, they could be like, uh, no, we're gonna give him one. And then go Not from there. Not even one. They can order ten and shoot ten, and like they've done with with Almost Human and um, 
uh, what the, was that? The Minority Wonder Report. Woman, the Wonder uh, Woman show that lasted like actually it did not even last one episode. Yeah. The well, they'll shoot them and they'll be like, eh, because they get their money from, you know, their those reality shows that they do and <sighs> and their football contract and their baseball contract. Mm-hmm. That's that that feeds the network, so they can play fast and loose with these shows because they're they're getting their real bread from live sports. Yeah. Live sporting events. It so. is pretty crazy when shows do it. So like Lock and Key <clears throat> is a show I've been talking about for over a year. Mm-hmm. They have filmed two pilots. Like full production, yeah. cast, filmed, and scrapped them. And now like they just announced that Netflix picked it up. So like This is why the Netflix model works for yeah. creators. Because then that's not going to happen. They're going to yeah. shoot it. They're going to shoot it. They're going to shoot 10 episodes. It's going to be 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll just we'll figure it out later on. Yeah. So... The show nobody asked for the show, um, but yeah. it is it is moving forward. Yeah, Fox was yeah. It's, so it's we're gonna see more of this kind of stuff. Unfortunately, uh, yes, a movie that stars one of uh one of your bays who just wrapped Men in Black. Oh yeah, the, uh, Tessa Thompson. They they've not said Men in Black four. It's Men in Black four. But this is Men in Black four. Yeah, all the all the shoots, <laughs> all the, the the photos of them backstage and the black and white suits and the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So they just wrapped. Men in Black, Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson. I uh, don't know who else is in this. I didn't that, realize it was directed by F. Gary Gray. Neither, like, until Chris Hemsworth put up the picture of, like, just rap, thanks for all the memories, like, all of that. And F. Gary Gray was there. I was like, okay. Yeah, I didn't okay. know. I didn't know he was directing it. Good for him, though. He's yeah. A good, he's a good director. He is solid. He's a good uh, director. People might know him, of course, from, like, Friday. Strider Compton. Uh, set It Off. Set It Off. The Negotiator is kind the of one of the forgotten '90s great. movies. Great, it's early 2000s. Was it early? T- oh yeah, it was yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s but like, it's a great film. Great film. Uh, John Cusack, yeah. Sam Jackson. Yeah, solid movie. Not John Cusack. Kevin, Kevin, Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. So yeah, problematic Spacey's in that one. Yeah, that it's was probably, that was probably why I jettisoned that in my brain <laughs> <laughs> and replaced it with John it's Cusack. A, it's a great story. So F. Gary Gray has a really good filmography. If mm-hmm. you've never seen his films, and they're all very different. Yeah, which I'm interested to see, kind of. Where he goes, this Chris Hemsworth. We have talked about it for a long time. The dude is funny, legitimately like, funny. Really, I was rewatching Thor Ragnarok because again, it is on mm-hmm. Netflix. Like the guy is just great. I didn't know he was funny until they started doing those weird short films with him yeah. and his roommate, and I was like, oh, these he's really got some comedic timing. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, good. Ghostbusters. He was Ghostbusters. He was one funny. of the best parts of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, this one I know it is going to be funny. Tessa obviously can do Tessa's everything. Great. So, yeah, they just wrapped. So, that comes out, I want to say, like, summer 2019. So soon. So, yeah. Good. That should be pretty cool. I wonder uh, if we get a cameo from Will. Will, I mean, I hope so. Just kind of tie it in. I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, there probably will be. Yeah. And just be a fun, like, oh, we didn't know he was in this. And you know that that is something Will, like, Will Smith's probably like, I uh, need me, what, for an hour? I'll just do it. Yeah. yeah. It'll, be, it'll be cool <laughs> if they did that. Yeah, but, I'm yeah. sure they will. Uh, a movie that we probably are never going to see, uh, Flash. No, we've never seen. Is Flash. yet another DC project that has been delayed. This is like the fifth, <laughs> the sixth time, not legitimately. Well, this is the f- we went through four directors, four directors in a year. Yeah, or about like 16 months. Mm-hmm. So now they just announced that it's it's it was a <laughs> rinse and repeat of like Flash has a new director and then director leaves because of creative differences. And then at one point with the third has director, a director. <laughs> they did what in the business they call a page one rewrite. Yeah. Which literally means everything that they had. They're like, nope, throw it in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> like that. So this has been going through so much, but uh, Variety reported that it is 
delayed again. And now that Ezra Miller is in these Fantastic Beast movies, mm-hmm. which they're making, the new one comes out this, next month next or month. December, I think. Soon. Yeah, soon. It's out soon. And there are, they start filming the next one in July. Mm-hmm. Those actually, what is it called? Oh, yeah, make money mm-hmm. and are well put together. <laughs> not, listen, not even that. I think they, they understand what they're doing with their property. Well, they, they have a, they understand a vision. What they're doing. Yeah, they understand what they're doing with the property. They understand what stories they're telling. That's why they're able to be to to be in production, uh, very consistently with these films because they understand yeah. what the story they're making. Yep. These other properties, they're not quite sure about. So, <laughs> it's a lot of like hit and miss, and you know, oh, ideas. A lot of miss because yeah. it just a lot so, of headlines and little, very little filmmaking. Yeah, very little. Which I think DC forgot that they actually have to make movies. They they know because I think they're like, look what we just started and <clears throat> okay then. But honestly, about it, six so months. they're 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 in a genre with, um, a bunch of these films are being made constantly, right? Mm-hmm. And their main competitor is Marvel Studios, yeah. and they're looking at Marvel Studios and they're seeing these numbers these films are making. Ant Man and the Wasp is making a bunch of money. Not only that, Black Panther, Infinity War, these stories, uh, their trailers become like these touchstones for conversations. Yeah. And th- those are things people are talking about when they're amongst their peers in, in filmmaking and studios. These are films they're talking about. When you look at, at the, the highest grossing films of the year and they've got three of them, <laughs> those are conversations that are being had. Yeah. Because that's their competition. So they, I think they're, they're, they're focused on that and not necessarily focused on how do we make the best product Just possible to get here. Cause we're not good content. Yeah, we're not going like, to go zero to 100 in, a, in, a, in two films. Let's figure out a plan and then... We'll reach the point where then we're making this type of money consistently with our mm-hmm. movies because we've earned that trust from our audience who believe in our product. Instead, they just want to go from Batman, Superman, Justice, Justice League. League. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I don't care about any of this. I think no. they're, they're missing that piece. And again, as we've said a trillion times, they need a person yep. to guide that ship. And they're just yep. it's a ship without a captain. And it's constantly taking out water and trying to figure out different ways to plug up these holes. But the ship is just sinking and they've mm-hmm. got to figure it out. Yeah. So we might not. I mean, so as of the release from Variety, the reporting, yeah, 2021. Ooh, we. That's <laughs> like two years. More than that, because it might not even start production until late 2019. It has a bunch of yeah. VFX. Well, so, yeah. Uh, wow. We, we're never seeing a solo Flash movie that in its current iteration. I think after the relaunch of, because they're gonna do Wonder Woman, Shazam, that tonal shift. Is going to be interesting. And how successful those movies are would be a big yes. indicator on to what happens. Because um, I, I Iron Man fails, we don't get the MCU if it, yeah. if it, if it tanks. Yeah, because Hulk before that... Yeah, the first Iron Man tanks, none of this happens because they're in scramble mode. But if these movies make money and they're successful and, criti- and received well critically, well, we'll see a different... There's probably a different little bit of bounce in their step at the studio and, and an idea of like what direction they should go. Mm-hmm. However, I thought they would get that after Wonder Woman, and it appears they have not. (laughs) I thought after Wonder Woman we'd get it. Yeah. No. So I unfortunately, as much, I mean, Flash is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, absolutely. The TV show is great. Great TV show. I just, this movie, in the current scope of things, with the DCEU, it just, I don't think we're ever going to see it. So We might not, not this iteration of it. We, We might have a different Flash when we do. Yeah. Um, next bit. So we will be talking about uh, their movie here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jason Blum yeah. of Blumhouse. Yeah. Kind of some problematic uh, hot takes uh, this yeah, past he had week. A pretty bad hot take. Um, he said. So he was being asked uh, by uh, Polygon. They were in an interview. Just kind of why 
there are not really any women creators, you know, in this Blumhouse, which Mm -hmm. has been doing amazing stuff. And they were putting out, like, four movies a year. So they were like, why in the past 11 years of its existence has Blumhouse never released a horror film directed by a woman? Mm -hmm. Here's what Jason Blum said. We're always trying to do that. We're not trying to do it because of recent events. We've always been trying. There are not a lot of female directors, period, and even less who are inclined to do horror. Uh, I'm a massive admirer of the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent. I've offered her every movie we've had available. She's turned me down every time. Um, Jason, my man, bad idea. I mean, those are, that is one of those things where even if you... Even if it is statistically true that there are less female directors, to throw a line like that out there is is problematic. Um, so there's an article, actually, the AV Club did this mm-hmm. article of 10 female directors who are already in the horror genre that are being successful. And what I the reason I say it is the number one choice for them mm-hmm. was Gigi Saul Guerrera, who mm-hmm. has been on my show before. She is a friend, Vancouver-based right. filmmaker. Right. Luchagore Productions, mm-hmm. like she found a niche for Mexican horror that had not been being done. She has been incredibly successful in it. So when I read that, did she do one? I think she did one that I saw at um at uh that horror film festival I go to every year at Bone Bat, not, not Bleeding Head. Oh, Bone Bat. Yeah. Um, she might have. Uh, it, was a, it was called Ghosting. Uh. She could have, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I did not go to Bone Bat. So. You should go to Bone Bat's great. Bone Bat, I mean, you've been talking about her for Bone years. Bone Bat is great, man. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, you know, I think um, I think in, in, in Jason's case, I think for us marginalized people, we understand uh, the lack of representation in other marginalized groups because we mm-hmm. deal with it all the time. So I think if you're not part of that, you don't under, you don't deal with it daily. Yeah. It's easy to overlook and to and to just, you know, it goes over your head. And I like that he came out and then, like, that was a dumb thing to say. A couple, yeah, so a couple days later, after he got checked yeah. <laughs> repeatedly online right. from female horror director. Yeah, because other filmmakers follow filmmakers because they, yeah. they love the craft. And so as soon as they saw that, and they started retweeting and be like, hey, yeah. what about this person, this person, this person? Right. A couple days later, he put out a statement that was it was really well thought out. It yeah. was not – because what he said versus what his apology kind of was yeah. felt genuine. Yes. A lot of these that we see, not but, like I apologize for how it made you feel, right? <laughs> but it was like, not no, an apology, apologize bro. for what you said and how it, what the repercussions it had. So, but yeah, he did apologize. Um, I mean, Blumhouse is something that you and I both have liked quite a few of their things, and I just it is a gap in their model. He did say that you know that they have had women producers yeah. and behind the scenes stuff. Find a director; they are yeah. out there. Um, I will link to this AV Club article. Yeah. Because these ten female horror directors are all solid. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say that I I just had to pull this up. Uh, uh, one of my favorite film people to follow is Paulina. I'm gonna butcher her last name, so I don't want to try it. Uh, but she has a new horror film she's working on, raising money for, called um, Sherman Park. Okay. Yeah, I'll send you the stuff. You can link. Yeah, to yeah, it. for uh, sure. She's great. She's funny, funny follow, but also a good filmmaker. Um, so she's trying to raise money for this project. It's a horror film. It's a. It looks hopefully pretty cool, man. So I'm I'm. So check it out if you're interested in mm-hmm. checking out other young, independent horror filmmakers that are women. She's definitely yeah. super into the genre, and you know, and that hopefully is the- a bright young filmmaker. I, I, I'm really excited when I see young filmmakers who have these really bright ideas and these new ideas for telling stories. So, so she's great. So I'll send you the info. You yeah, can put it in here. For sure, because that is the other thing is, you know, these indie film directors, 
They know how to work with budgets. Blumhouse yeah. has been pioneering oh, these yeah. small budget horror films. Because Halloween didn't cost that much money. No. Look, oh my gosh. Thirty million. I mean, if, if, if that, like, it was, if, it was, if, it was if thirty. It was low. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so that was just it was a problematic hot take of his. He apologized for it. It felt genuine. Proof we'll see. The, pro, yeah, proof is in the pudding. We'll see like, when you start putting your directors out. Exactly. So, uh, and then the last bit of news, not the top story, just okay. the last bit of news. The last bit of news. Um, on the heels of Iron Fist right. being canceled. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, nah, who cares? Blah, blah. It's Iron Fist. Yeah. Luke Cage got canceled and yeah. everybody lost their minds. Really? People were, it was just so know, crazy because people, people were, minds. it was, there were so many memes and it was like, people who were upset during Luke Cage and they're like, yeah. oh, these fake Jamaican accents, blah, blah, and they canceled. I was like, what? You can't do that. I don't know so, people lost their minds. It's, I mean, after. It's inevitable. It is. After Iron Fist, people were like, ah, whatever. With this one, now it starts to feel more like, and we talked about this before, we were recording, as Marvel starts pulling these from Netflix. Yeah. Pretty sure we're going to see these on the new Disney streaming service that launches uh, next year. Yeah. Why the, would you have your product on another streaming yeah. service? And the fact they pulled these two kind of first, quote unquote. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, it just, it makes sense. Kind of lines up to be kind of their yeah. next project. If the contract is over, with, then you pull it. Yeah. And it just, it does. It makes sense. If Disney already has a massive streaming service that is set to come out next year. Yeah. Why would you renew a contract with Netflix? For exclusive rights, so yeah, and Jessica brought it up in our group chat, mm-hmm. and it's true, yeah. And Chris from the Sanity Check brought it up on Twitter after it happened. He was like, "Yeah, it's probably because of streaming stuff. Like, why? This isn't really a big story." Yeah. If you've been following this, you know Disney has a streaming platform that's coming. Why would your product be on another streaming platform? That yeah. doesn't make any, well, any I mean, financial what it, sense. What it really means as of right now is that Finn Jones and Mike Coulter, since our show's been canceled, are officially heroes for hire. Oh, you would do that? Um, <laughs> come on, it was right there. I do want to see a Dodge of the Dragon show. Give us that. Colleen you and can, Misty were the best the part of you Iron Fist. You can pull both those shows and do those two separate properties. That would be smart. Yeah. Because you can have the same character, the same setup, yeah. but instead of it being Luke Cage on a streaming service, it's Heroes for Hire with Luke Cage and Finch and, and Iron Fist. And mm-hmm. then you can do Darts of the Dragon. And those would be two absolutely new shows. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? Same actors. Same yeah. feel. You can mix them up. You can have them in each other's projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that Cause so far, like, probably do a Daredevil Punisher show next. Uh, that, that one I'm less excited about. That was Daredevil season but, two. Yeah. So yeah. just make it a show. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, Punisher was, trying to kill people and Daredevil being like, please don't murder to, people. Which I'm blind. I, I we, but we, I, can, we, I see you murdering people. We saw quite a bit of in this in this new season. So which not we, Daredevil murdering. People. No, no, that is what I'm saying. Like him stopping somebody, yeah. like in inventive, <laughs> fun ways. Yeah. Please so, don't kill this person. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. So yeah, so that was a uh, that was a bunch of the the news because there were, there was a ton of it this yeah. week. Uh, so on to the first thing to be reviewed. So Titans mm-hmm. on the new DC streaming service, which launched two weeks ago. Uh, Titans was one of those shows where when we first saw the trailer a few months ago. Very skeptical about, obviously, because the whole, like, F Batman thing and the tone they're going for. Mm-hmm. We talked about it before. We thought DC had kind of learned their dark and gritty lessons and were kind of going to pivot. Then we saw this trailer and it was like, wait, what? So you're going, yeah. you were just hard, going in hard for the dark and gritty. Yeah. 
So episode one, oh, two episodes have dropped. I've mm-hmm. only watched episode one. I've seen um, both. As of recording. You saw Hawk, Hawk and Dove? Or no, Birds of a Feather. Yeah. With Hawk, Hawk and, and Dove, Dove in it. So, first thoughts of Titans TV show. Go. I don't know why they're doing this in this tone. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, it's kind of Valid. ridiculous. I enjoy what I watched, but I don't know why that that's the that's what they're that's the path they're taking. It seems it seems unnecessary to say the least. But yeah, and it is something that I mean, I, I again I was pleasantly surprised. I like the casting. Yeah, like I I did enjoy the show the parts of the show mm-hmm. more than i thought i would yeah and i do think the whole like f batman thing yeah. that was kind of a, a little bit of a fake out yeah. in that he that is not his entire character he is no. not just this super angry robin like he, he left he is gotham a, for yeah. a new start he is a detective like I, I like how they're talking about his partner and oh, that was great everyone thinks he's talking about his his, his actual partner, yeah, which but to me it was talking like, about Batman. You keep talking funny. about this partner, and now oh he was he started doing things they didn't want to do. What about his actual partner? Like if he starts yeah. hearing these rumors, like wait what? What I, did I do? Like, <laughs> what was I doing? Yeah. So, but I, I mean, yeah, I like the cast. The way they reference Gotham is kind of being like this crazy place to be that nobody. Yeah, because they well when they first showed in continuity of the yeah. of Titans, they showed clips of Robin. Yeah. And the reporters are like, go away, like. We don't want these problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing in our city? Yeah, we know uh, the best part is when, when he when he goes to fight those guys in the alley, mm-hmm. uh, and they say they, he shows up. They automatically like, "Where's Batman?" They like, look, yeah, people they, freak they out. They see Robin, and immediately they're like, "Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not too far behind." <laughs> yeah, like, they're freaking out because they think Batman's showing up. Yeah, uh, people fear him. Yeah. I, I like that. That's in the that's in the script that people have this reverence. These criminals are like, "Oh no," which I mean that was part of. It was not even that Batman was the version that we see in the movies, mm-hmm. like this grim and gritty murderer. In the comics, it was so much more implied. It was like, no, if he finds you, mm-hmm. it is going to be bad. Yeah. Compound fractures, at least. Oh, man. Do you remember the scene, one of the best Batman scenes in, a, I think it was Justice League Unlimited, with Deadshot? Like, the Deadshot tries to assassinate some mm-hmm. world leader, and they arrest him. And he was like, I'm not telling you anything. And Batman was like, I'll handle this. Walks over to Deadshot, whispers into his ear, mm-hmm. and Deadshot was like, all right, I surrender. Yeah. And that was all it took. And yeah. then I think Hawkgirl turned to Superman, and she was like, what did he say? And he was like, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. That is the type of Batman that yeah. that works. Right. You know, it is that fear base. So this was, I liked that. No, that's in the, that's that in the aspect. Story. But man, this Robin um, is a murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you wait till Hawk and Dove show up. Their intro is pretty bloody. I saw, yeah, I saw some it's clips of it, which is weird because Hawk and Dove... We're not that in the comics at all. Yeah. So, but yeah, so far with episode one that I have seen, I'm on board for it. I did not think I would be. It's fun. It's fun. It's, it's Yeah. I try to turn off my comic book brain and just enjoy it. See, and that is... Because I'm going to be like, why are they doing this this way? Yeah. It's fine. But Brendan Thwaites, like, he is yeah. pretty solid. Like, as as Robin, they I know that they're going to introduce Jason Todd. Yeah. At some point, they some released point. a clip of that. Yeah. That that makes no sense. Yeah, I'm really. We'll see how they do it. I'm not sure how I can turn off my uh, comic book. It brain. feels very much like Watchmen-ish when I watch it. Yes, very dark. Yep, like very dark, like the very little scenes in the daytime, very little light. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the story they're telling. Yeah, the story seems fine. Um, this narrative, this crazy group is after this girl, and the actress plays Raven. Raven's good, solid. Yeah, um, I like her. I do also. So Starfire. Starfire's crazy. 
immediately when they're like, she looks like a prostitute, blah, blah. And it was like, have you seen a comic book? Yeah. She looks fine. And But it like, makes sense when you get into her story. Like, exactly. why she's dressed like that. Like, it totally... Like, like, oh, okay, that makes sense why she's dressed like they that. They played it in, so... Yeah. But yeah, so, so far, I'm on board. Uh, we will we will kind of see yeah. what happens with it. But, yeah. So, that was, uh, that was Titans Talk. Uh, the first show, or the yeah. only show. Oh, no, second show. Second show. Daredevil, season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to tee this one off? Actually, no. I will have you tee off Halloween because okay. that is that is your oh your your baby. Whatever, whatever works for you. So. Uh, so Daredevil season three picks up a few months after the events of Defenders. Mm-hmm. We still are not really sure what the timeline is with Iron Fist and Luke Cage kind of shoved in this middle part. Mm-hmm. But as far as we know, you know, a few months after the events of Defenders, mm-hmm. Matt Murdock is. In rough shape. He survived I mean, an explosion. A building <laughs> fell on him. Yeah. I thought it was clever the way that they kind of made it how he survived. Yeah. Because in the underground tunnel, building collapses. There are sewers underground. Mm-hmm. Those sewers have to drain somewhere. He gets dropped out in the middle of who knows That's where. very comic bookish. Super comic book. And I loved it. Yeah. Because at first I was like, is he going to dig himself out? Like, yeah. how are they going to do this? Clever. So I like that. So we see him bruised, bloody, beaten, and just defeated. Right. Uh, he is deaf in one ear, cannot really access his abilities, and is, for the first time since he was first blinded, blind. Like, he cannot see. There are scenes of him, yeah. like, walking, like, stumbling, like, bashing his knee <laughs> up against stuff. So he is not the Daredevil that we have come to know. Yeah. He's back at the church. He is back at the church that he grew up in, the orphanage that he grew up in, uh, with Father Lantham. Mm-hmm. Lant- Lantham? Yeah. Anthem. Getting mended. Getting mended uh, by a woman there who raised him, yeah. you know, in that orphanage. So this whole season really borrowed from the Born Again storyline. Mm-hmm. Rich by Frank Miller, one of the quintessential Daredevil stories. Okay. It was only like four issues back then. It was like 277 to 231. Mm-hmm. And then they threw in a couple like wrap-up issues later. But you can buy the trade paperback. And I think it collects seven issues, 277 to 233, where, I mean, the theme is born again. He has to figure out who he is now. Mm-hmm. And if he even if he ever wants to do anything again, if he wants to be Matt Murdock, like that whole man behind the mask dichotomy yeah. that we see in a lot of these masked superheroes plays out in this. Like, who is the real mask? Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne has talked about that before, like. Bruce Wayne is his mask. Right. Batman is who he really yeah, is. Like, but I think Daredevil's concern is like being Matt Murdock puts people in harm. Yeah. So he doesn't want to put Foggy and Karen and these people he cares about in harm. So mm-hmm. he'd rather be Daredevil 24-7 and just take all of the heat because Wilson Fisk is out there and he's a crazy person and <laughs> yeah. is intent on hurting people. Mm-hmm. Um, the other storyline is is the, the FBI – Doing these investigations and they get Wilson Fist to cooperate to give up all these other mm-hmm. drug lords, drug lords, and, and he's quote unquote bosses. making the city safe, which gets him a bailed out, and he's got this penthouse he's in, and an FBI protection, and then you get uh, Point Dexter, Agent Point mm-hmm. Dexter, which that uh, was Dex, great. Yeah, Dex is in there. He he shows up, and his intro scene is great. Yeah, so that I saw his that intro scene, scene is fantastic. So when I saw the Daredevil panel at New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. they showed us like four three minute clips yeah and that was one of them and it was like 
Yeah, it's all shot from the point of view, point of the POV of uh, Fisk, Fisk inside mm-hmm. this armored vehicle, and these Albanians coming to get him, and this dude comes out of nowhere and is killing everybody. Takes them all out, and like when we saw that during <clears throat> the panel, the first time he ricochets a bullet yeah. off of something, the crowd lost their minds. Yeah. He does a lot of that. He kills people with the most random objects. I need, I need yeah. like a, I need someone to do a count of the stuff he uses: beer bottles, pieces of glass, communion plates, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. any, anything you can think of. He just mm-hmm. is grabbing it and throwing it. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the. So I mean, those people. I mean, it, this is not even a spoiler. Like, if you follow them on social media, like, so Point Dexter is playing the character who will eventually become Bullseye. Right. That was that was his ability. There have been various storylines of whether or not he was a mutant or right. not, or just incredibly well trained, mm-hmm. but he cannot miss. Yeah. It is similar to Hawkeye. Sometimes they try and make him a mutant because he cannot miss, and nobody cares about Hawkeye. Um, differences. I, I care about Hawkeye. Mm, differences. Bullseye is actually a compelling character. Um, Hawkeye is. Sure, uh, but they have a similar power set in that Hawkeye uses a bow, but he technically has perfect aim, mm-hmm. so he can pick up anything, and it is a weapon. Yeah. With deadly force. So, Point Dexter, as this character, this kind of merciless character. Is he merciless? Uh, Yeah. No, when, I don't know if that's the case. I in that he, in that opening scene with the Albanians, the two guys drop to their knees yeah, he's and doing surrender. His, he's doing his job. Uh, Not as an FBI agent. As an FBI agent would arrest them. <laughs> he's doing his job. He, in that scene, he's doing, that's the whole point of his character. He did his job. That's how Wilson Fisk reaches him. You did your job, and here they are making you the scapegoat. So you are siding with Wilson Fisk. No, I'm just saying that, that he he did his job. And when we see his character backstory, we realize that he's he's got some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that reveal when he's talking about this girl he has pizza with every night. That was, I was like, oh, and I saw oh, that coming oh. a little bit. I was, I was like, like, this is gonna not, because he was so like, oh yeah, you know, Tuesdays pizza night, broccoli and sausage, yeah. extra cheese. And I was like, oh no. When they showed that scene, I was like, that's next level. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think he's got some issues, and they go into that, which is great. When, mm-hmm. when you that scene when they have Fisk reading his file, and you they sort of do this replay of what's yeah. happening in his life. I thought it was a really cool concept to do it. Instead of like a complete flashback, it's like Fisk in the room watching. It was like this an happen. AR, like alternate yeah. reality, like just enhanced reality situation yeah. where that was something that they have not really so really, done it's before. It's a cool scene, and was, there was a lot of that. Like yeah. so, when you first see Matt, mm-hmm. who again <laughs> is going through some stuff, mm-hmm. and he is hearing things and seeing things mm-hmm. that was just it, they did that really yeah. well with so many different characters and kind of how with point dexter as compelling as driven as mm-hmm. his character was to kind of to do bad things as soon as you know he would put on headphones mm-hmm. his breathing would slow down like mm-hmm. every his whole character changed mm-hmm. that was there was just such yeah. clever writing and point dexter, dex is such a crazy character because he's got these odd social cues like yeah. when he tells that joke <laughs> which uh, uh he tells that dad joke oh, about yeah. about uh something some animal joke and he does it that fails miserably yeah. but you get like oh man you're really trying to be like everybody else <laughs> right. it's just not it's just not yeah. working but once he gets in his bag and he sort of accepts his role mm-hmm. he's much more deviant um, yeah. No, like the agent, the agent, the agent the Nadim. Yeah, Nadeem, that was who I was man, gonna bring great. up, bring up next. That guy was great all season. He was great. Yeah. I like again. We talk about representation. I like that he's Indian. Yep. And you got him and his wife and their cultures a bit in it, and that that scene where they're 
she shows up to talk to him and then they're, they're speaking in their own language mm-hmm. makes sense that, yeah. that's a real thing that would happen there's yeah. other people around we're gonna start speaking in hindi because i have something to tell you mm-hmm. and I, we're not gonna argue in front of these people i was like that because that's what happens for real for real yeah. um his wife was great in it yeah 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 he was played Nadine by was great by jay ali that guy's great what else was he in uh that guy was great what is what is great also is that not only is it representation, but it is not representation for representative yeah. for representation's sake. He's an FBI agent who He's, happens to be Hindi. Yeah. And that was kind <laughs> of it. it. Uh, he was in The Fosters. He was on a bunch of TV shows. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Um, man, he's he's Isles, but the guy was solid. Man. But yeah, I like him. And again, what this show continues to do with Daredevil mm-hmm. has the most consistent characters in all of these shows. Yeah. The worst scene. In this whole season, I would say the worst episode. I mean, which you already kind of... The Karen joked, Page episode? The Karen Solo episode. What was the point of that episode? That As bad as that was, yeah. still better than almost anything else in these shows. Like, Daredevil, they found a way... Yeah. I was like, why are we watching an hour of Karen in college? In the third season! Yeah. I talked about this we after New York Comic Con. I like, need that. Her past was teased in season one. It was like, all right, cool. You have a dark, mysterious path. You, cool. oh, you were going to drop out of school, and then you got your parents, and right. they're involved in stuff. And and then season two starts, and we get a little bit, and then it goes nowhere. And this one, they're like, oh, we finally get it. Nobody cares. Karen, Karen being the investigative journalist is the best part of her story. Just keep it at that. An investigative journalist job that she did not deserve. Yeah. That don't deserve is... She... That... The way that season one ends... That's a comic book thing. I'm uh, fine with that. That's how comic books do. She suddenly gets the senior reporter's corner office. That's a com- That's it, a television comic book trope. Yeah. I'm not... That's not specific to Karen. True. <laughs> but I think her character getting a deeper story isn't necessary. No. I like her better... Nope. I For me, I like her better as an investigative journalist. And she's part not and not and not necessarily having to be this damsel in distress mm-hmm. that then Matt Murdock has to come save or Foggy has to come save. Right. She's out here doing her job. She's the one trying to put Kingpin in the press, trying to put these stories out there. The one who can do sort of the 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 groundwork to Ground figure level. out yeah. where are these what are these shell companies? What are they attached to? All that other stuff that's necessary to then feed that information to Daredevil and Foggy for them to do sort of the rough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's better. Yeah, that's way. That's, it it that's is way better. better. And she was tolerable in this she, she, was good. she, was she good. still is not i didn't like her fellow episode but she was yeah. good um foggy though Man. really surprised me he really has come up in life like he actually like i really like his character now yeah season one i was expecting Oof. some sort of swerve with his life but i was like no he's really just living that life seriously i was, I was like, like where's like, the swerve for his, his girlfriend to, like, yeah be cheating on him or, or try to some, kill him or something right no well like there's a scene you know, find those papers. Right. And I was just waiting for come something. Him and be like, I work for Wilson Fisk. Right. And none yeah. of it. And it was like, no. good for you, Foggy. Yeah, like, Foggy came up. And his hair looks great. The um, DA guy was great. I did like him. The, yeah. The, he was great. Uh, he was the, he was running against. No, that, was he DA? A councilman? The guy who was running against? Yeah. He was, he was yeah. current. Yeah. He was great. Mm-hmm. He was, he was funny. Um, they had a really good cast. Yeah. Like, this this cast is fantastic. And it just, it reminds me, though. Of how bad some of the other stuff yeah. is in this Netflix Marvel world. Question. Yes. I, did I miss something? So when at the end of the series season, when we're not gonna spoil anything, but when Daredevil tells Dex to go somewhere mm-hmm. to find something, mm-hmm. we don't see that thing happen, do we? Yeah. We did. Did I mm-hmm. miss that? Yeah. There, there were two things, and he, he found. No, yeah, I know he found them, but we didn't see 
how that thing got there. Uh, yes. Well, not not how it got to that specific place, but we saw. Yes, we, we will talk okay, about we'll talk, it. Yeah, because I was yeah, like, did I miss this? Because I yeah. know I like you know ran to the bathroom or something. I was like, did I miss this? Yeah. Okay. So that, that that there was a scene that where A led to B. <laughs> okay, got you. Okay, so, got, got got you, got you, got you. Um, wow. The, I mean Charlie Cox. He's good. Man, like this guy, and watching him like speak in person, <laughs> he has like this kind of higher pitched voice. You're, like, you're not and, blind, boy. Get out of here. <laughs> But that is the other thing is like playing a blind person yeah. is one of the hardest things to do. He does a do. good job. Like the what, like that scene um, when he shows up at that cleaner's place and he's yeah. walking around. He's like feeling things. I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is like a choice. Well, that and a lot of times when actors make the choice when mm-hmm. you're taking a role of a blind person, they're just kind of stare off distantly. Yeah. And like that because you have to think about it as an actor. I cannot look at you at all. I have to look behind you. Yeah. The way he kind of like moves his head around, yeah. like everything about it. Like, yeah, it's really good. He crushes it. And even in the scenes where, you know, he no longer has to pretend yeah. when he's just talking to someone, he still is not looking them dead yeah. in the face. Right. Like, so that, I mean, he is so that solid. That prison sequence is great. Uh, code 33. Yeah. Whew. That prison sequence is great. Um, they showed the us fight, the, the final fight at the end is great. That one was in, like a. It was intense. It was intense. It, was like because, felt, it felt very much like a comic book. It <laughs> did because you have no idea really. So much stuff is going on. You're yeah. like, who am I actually rooting for in this yeah. fight? Like, I know what I want to have. Like, it, yeah. that was really clever. That scene in the apartment with Nadine and and uh, Murdoch is great. Mm-hmm. Um, with Point Dexter, like the chemistry that the cast has yeah. with each other. It just it feels so much different and i'm yeah. not sure why like is it they have a compelling villain that might be it because he, he's really the heart of the show is yeah is this i like to give him the kingpin nickname yep that was really cool he finally gets the nickname kingpin. and it was not so ham-fisted yeah, it was like we don't even say his name like we have seen in other things yeah. recently it's gonna be carnage <laughs> yeah it's not that it's, it's like oh that makes sense by the car uh the yeah if you are a bunch of crime lords <laughs> and you were like nope not gonna like it is like Voldemort. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that man's name. Mm-hmm. Um, that because that gives him power, but we're going to give him this nickname. Yeah, but I, I like that he's always a step ahead of everybody, and, Oof, and I like, like the, five steps. I like that Karen addresses that. Like, here's the problem with dealing with Kingpin. I like yep. that she has a plan. <laughs> Even when talking to the dean, she's right. like, "No, you should probably do this." She's like, "I've thought about like mm-hmm. ways to escape this." Yeah, yeah, and that I mean the thing with Kingpin and the the dichotomy in the villains is with Point Dexter who. Is a, is a far more than a match yeah. for Daredevil at a distance. Yeah. Because as soon as he grabs literally anything yeah. around him, it is a deadly weapon. And and he realizes that and has that conversation mm-hmm. with, with Ghost Dad. With, <laughs> well, no, Bill Cosby was not there. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, why are you using Muay Thai ropes? He's like, because. Yep. I I gotta get gotta him get up on his clothes. The fact that you know Daredevil, you know the in this office scene, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of sneaking around. He is not used to having somebody have the step above him. Right. Like with Punisher, that was different. Punisher was shooting him from yeah. half a mile away. But with this, they're 20 feet away, and he's sneaking around, thinking, yeah. and then a baseball hits him in the <laughs> yeah, face. Right. Baseball bats, yeah. Pens, pencils. Like, that Anything. was great because it Broken showed glass. that compelling villain where it was like, okay, hand to hand, you dust him. Yeah. As but. soon as you get five feet away... It's it is a problem, which is almost the opposite to Kingpin. Kingpin is this huge physical force where Daredevil don't want to needs to stay away. Yeah. And so that, like, that is just solid writing. And yeah. it sounds like and it sounds weird that we are praising 
what seems to be the simple writing choices, but the fact no. that we have had shows that are yeah. not able to do this yeah. is why we're highlighting it so much because it Nothing. just it makes sense. Wow. And Jessica and Damon have brought this up multiple times on their podcast, Curly Nerd podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it could have been 10 episodes. Didn't have to Easily. be 13. Could have been 10. Could have been 10 solid episodes. Now it's yep. 13 good ones. But you you dropped the, you, the you dropped the Karen episode completely out of here. We don't really need that. Now you take a couple elements from it and put in another episode. Yeah. Uh, trim down the the third ep- the last three because I think it's sort of like yeah. We don't we don't need a hundred meanings. No. The only really good meeting between I mean Karen and her boss has a really cool meeting. The one at the hospital is really great. That was solid. Some nice, good emotional acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he I was like I'm finally finally somebody told her that like yeah you don't get to do that. No. Yeah. Well, you're gonna do what she was like. Don't tell me not to. We're gonna do it anyway. And he was like, "Okay, this yeah. is the consequence. Bye." Yeah. So I like the you know, but they could have cut a lot of that stuff yeah. down. Um, a lot of the it was more of the same. Like Kingpin is ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Took a couple of those swerves out. Yeah. And just kept the major ones. Because that is that is that was Kingpin's strength, not just yeah. physically in the comics, but it was money and it was manipulation. Yeah. And, the, and he, was, he realized there's no honor amongst thieves, so he's got yeah. all these crabs in a barrel people mm-hmm. willing to do whatever to not possibly get murdered by him. <laughs> possibly, yeah. Yeah. D'Onofrio's transition oh, so good. from season one to now. Yeah. Come on. Because in season one, we were not alone in being like, eh, this yeah. is not really the kingpin we know. Because he had to build it. The fact that they built him yeah. to the kingpin that yeah. we know, and the way that they shot him... Very frequently, whether yeah. like if he was walking towards you, yeah. the camera's tilted up. If it was behind him, it was angled yeah. down. He is not that big. Like when you actually see him and Point Dexter face to face, D'Onofrio is like three inches taller. You mm-hmm. know, he is not huge, but the way they film it was just like Tom Hardy and Bane yeah. or in, in Dark Knight, yeah. where they film it in a way and they add sound yeah. to really make it seem like, no, this guy is gigantic. Yeah, it's great. And D'Onofrio crushes it. Yeah, oh, my gosh. He's really good at it. He's, I hope they keep him around. I think they will because, again, he is somebody, as we have already seen, even in Daredevil Season 2, mm-hmm. even from prison, this guy is two steps ahead. Yeah. So, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do with that character. But when yeah. he fought Punisher yeah. in prison. Like, <laughs> yeah. He is great. The fight choreography in this, yeah. the worst fight choreography in this is better than anything we have seen in anything. Yeah. As far as the Marvel shows. Yeah, it, it's the best of the shows. And it is convincing. It feels real. Well, even Not even just the fight card, like the action, the, the set pieces they do, yeah. that, that whole church sequence. Man, like just a lot of slow panning mm-hmm. around the action, not quick cuts, Yeah, just following what was going on. Yeah, yeah. even the church sequence is like a really cool sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you recognize uh, Sister Maggie mm-hmm. from Willow? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies. Yeah, I love Willow. Yeah, um, that but, took me that yeah. took me a minute because I was looking at her and I was like, "How do I know this woman?" One thing I really liked when 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 the dean is telling his story and they're doing those flashbacks to everything he witnessed, mm-hmm. and you you're you're sort of seeing his face and he's talking about how he was feeling in those moments. Like that was like nice. Like oh, he was just this is what he was thinking about while he was sitting there watching all this stuff happen around him. Yeah, that was a nice touch. I yeah. like that guy. I hope he's around more, man. He was he was a really good actor. Yeah. So, uh, so the official rating system for this podcast, mm-hmm. whether it is TV shows, movies, we have not done any music, but we could at some point, I guess, comic books. Uh, there are only three choices: no letter grades, uh, no star ratings. The three choices yeah. are good, bad, or ugly. A good is something that you 
enjoyed, you came out of the theater, or in this case, you finished the season, mm-hmm. and you were like, sweet, let me talk about those with my friends. Yeah. Bad, something that you would not recommend. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Uh, Daredevil Season 3, your official rating. It is a good. Mm-hmm. It is a good. It's, you know, it is definitely, you know, three episodes too long, but yep. I was never bored. Nope. I was engaged the whole time. I sort of blew through it mm-hmm. pretty quickly because it was entertaining and a fun story. You want to get to, like, what happened because there's so many pieces. It's 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 Bullseye. It's Daredevil. It's Foggy. The church. It's Kingpin. It is, yeah. It's the church. Mm-hmm. It's Nadine and his storyline. It's all really interesting and all sort of comes together in these really interesting ways. So it makes for a fun a fun watch. You'll enjoy if you like Daredevil, you'll enjoy the season. Yeah, absolutely agree. This gets a good from me. I loved how it showed his internal conflict yeah. with with God, with Catholicism, mm-hmm. being in this place that raised him and thinking where he is now and where his choices mm-hmm. have led him. That was just solid. Yeah. Um Yeah, because that that is a core part of Daredevil that they really had not been able to do immediate like before this like it just catholicism like that is so ingrained in him Mm -hmm. and he's like okay but how do i justify what i am doing with this but no no other medium is really given the opportunity to flush that out true you can't just come off the bat with like he's a struggling guy struggling with his religion that doesn't work you gotta like build to it and they they tried it it with ben affleck but no that's two you can't do that in two hours yeah you can't you need like multiple cracks at it and they've to to build this guy's character and then sort of didn't delve deep into his inner conflict in this mm-hmm. in this third season that had enough to do that. Yeah. Um I also really liked the subtle subtlety in his quote unquote new costume mm-hmm. with the black and white mask, which are very similar Is that to the rack he's wearing. <laughs> what I was going to say similar to priest vestments and a collar. The black and white. Really clever. So I like that. So yeah, the show absolutely gets a good Watch it if you like Daredevil. Watch it if you do not like Daredevil and see if it works for you. Uh, the movie that we are next to. The finish. one film on the docket. The one film on the docket. Tim, tell us about Halloween. Halloween <laughs> uh, is the sequel to 1978's Halloween, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, mm-hmm. um, where we pick up 40 years after the end of the first film. Yep. Michael Myers, instead of uh, Laurie headed to a hospital and Michael Myers showing up at the hospital and... Uh, murdering everyone this movie is michael myers gets picked up and by the police and put back in a facility for mm-hmm. the next 40 years uh we meet Lori four years later she's kind of on her her sarah connor's plan of preparing for the end of the world pretty much yeah she's got this house with these floodlights and trap doors and hidden compartments and she's got like a cache of weapons she's she tells everyone that michael's going to come for her someday and everyone thinks she's a crazy person michael then is in a transport to another maximum security, maximum security prison. Terrible idea. Escapes. <laughs> oh, imagine that. Uh, he escapes, and then he heads back to Haddonfield to get to more murdering, and comes after Lori and her granddaughter and her daughter, and Haddonfield becomes another sort of war zone for the night in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now. Okay. Being that this is a direct sequel, ignoring the, what, five movies six six movies yeah. in between halloween two three four h2o resurrection oh, yeah. and five yeah one two two three four five h2o resurrection so seven so ignoring all of those and going right back into 
this world, mm-hmm. how do you feel they handled that transition? Well, well, I, mean, I think we can all point to the original one saying this is sort of the foundation for it. And you're just mm-hmm. building on that foundation. It's just a different house. You've scrapped all that other nonsense. And it, they they don't try to add more to Michael other than that he's just a madman and yep. intent on murdering. And they 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 build on the curiosity of people, right? The podcasters who come to interview him. Which the investigative journalism, uh, the the and new I, Dr. And Loomis. Liked, yeah, and I real quick about that, I like that that these people who go to interview him mm-hmm. at this insane asylum, at this maximum security penitentiary, insane asylum, whatever, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we're doing a a crime podcast, blah blah, and it was like very topical, yeah. considering how successful Serial and yeah. Atlanta Monster well, makes sense. and Doctor Death, like that was just that was clever, and I liked that. Yes, I'm biased, but in a mainstream movie. People are hearing the word podcast and be like, oh, like they're, they're investigative journalists doing this thing. I liked that aspect of it. That was Tusk. Tusk had that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was Kevin Smith. I mean, yeah. that was, yeah, that was, that was all part of it. And that whole movie based was based off of something on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, the attention to detail in that kind of first interaction that we see with Michael and it is in the trailers, you know, where they're, he has his back to them. Mm-hmm. And the camera kind of slowly creeps up, and he has a scar on his neck from where she jabbed him with the uh, needle point needle in the original. Mm-hmm. And its eye, too. Like, things like and that. His, his eyes messed up when he gets His eyes messed up. We, another clever choice is we never, we still, from the first one to now, have never seen him, fl- like, straight on, full face. Like, what does he look like? Did you see his face in the first one? Not the whole thing. Mm-hmm. As an adult? In the first movie, yeah. When was that? At the end, <clears throat> when Loomis uh, comes in the house, she pulls off his mask, and he, like, freezes. He freaks out and puts the mask back on, and then he gets shot. That's what stops him from coming at her, is the mask comes off, and he, like, he like has a moment of, like, oh, no, my face is shown. I guess I don't remember. We actually saw what his yeah. face looked like. Yeah. Okay. It's like It's like light, shadow light, but we oh, see his face. Oh, okay. okay. Then he puts the mask back on, and then he gets shot off the balcony. Gotcha. It's this moment of like, oh, this is the guy who needs his mask to do mm-hmm. these to do these murders. Right. He and I, I do wish, because of that attention to detail with the eye mm-hmm. and the neck, if we had seen like one scene of him, like without a shirt, like see bullet holes, because like getting stabbed in the neck, sure. I don't need to see his Get, body. Well, getting, you, getting, getting stabbed in the eye, sure. <laughs> you got shot four times in the chest. Yeah. How do you, like... We don't know if he got shot in the chest. We know he got shot. Hmm... I, I don't know. That was I just wanted like again it, because they paid so much attention to the other what, things. You want to see Michael Myers' chest? Yeah, I wanted to see how he survived getting <laughs> shot that many times. Just, I want to make sure we're clear on this podcast. You really want to see Michael Myers' chest? Yeah. Okay. I want to see. If that's what you're into. Like I don't I don't judge people for their kink. <laughs> if you're into like Thanks, horror, horror movie scars. Uh, um, so as for her her plan. Yeah. So like you said, very apt metaphor. She's on her Sarah Connor's kick. Yeah. Where she has spent forty years being like. At some point, this thing is coming. He's gonna get out. The boogeyman. Yeah, I need to prepare. I need to prepare my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, her daughter obviously kind of was like, "I'm not raising my daughter like that. Yeah. We're gonna be, we're gonna live in the city around people, right. and not this crazy agoraphobic household." Mm-hmm. With that in mind, you've had 40 years to plan this thing. Mm-hmm. Her plan sucks. No, her plan does not suck. It. I, I had real her, problems. Why does her plan suck? There are, and we cannot get into all of it because it would be it would be spoiling things. Right. There were aspects of her plan that I 
straight up do not understand why it was like okay. that. We don't know what her actual plan was because True. dummy dum dum goes outside, which dummy leaves the dum door dum. open. Oh, I was like, <laughs> the dummy goes outside and leaves <laughs> the door like, open. This right. idiot. So we don't know what her plan plan was because all of a sudden now he's in the house. The way that he got into the house, yeah. he could have done at any point. No. How? Glass is glass is going to break regardless. Come on. We don't. Her plan didn't involve leaving the front door wide open. I'm pretty sure of that. Right. Because she had all those locks and stuff but on the, the door front door. the door was shut. No. When, I, when he got to the house? Yes. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Because she has her back to it. It isn't yeah. the trailer. She has her back to the door. The bar is on it. Yeah. The locks are there. No, but, but yes, but what I'm saying is like this idiot starts something that maybe shouldn't have started when right. it started. So we don't know what her plan was. Now she's in like scramble mode to figure out how to deal but with this. Scramble mode again. You have 40 years. Yeah. Have 15 plans. Her plan it was I thought it was fantastic. I liked the the kind of mm, t- twist slash reveal at the end of her plan, but the final. That, but that was the plan. But the final step of her plan, I had real problems with. Oh, no. But, and we, we can talk oh, about no. that. I like that plan. Later. Um, but as far as the... Because those doors were for that were coming down. Right. It made sense. Totally understand that. Uh, I did like the the transition. You know, like we talked about. Yeah. It did feel like 40 years later in this same yeah. sleepy town. You'd be the crazy person in town. Yeah. Like the, the granddaughter. Yeah. You know, in high school, one of her friends was like... Oh, blah, blah. Kind of like how your grandma, blah. And she was like, really? Do we yeah. need to, like, that would, but that is what a high school yeah, kid would like, do. Yeah, he was like, well, in large scheme of things, like, five people died. Like, not a big deal. <laughs> like, right. Because him, he's seen, like, mass murders. School shootings. School shootings. Yeah. He's like, yeah, just five people got killed one night. Like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. People, you know, she's alive. Okay. Right. We can't talk about this. Uh, th- That was great. I like little nods to the original. Like, she's mm-hmm. in the same seat in the classroom. That was really great. She looks out of the window, yeah. sees her grandma. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. The looking out and the laundry outside was great. Mm-hmm. Another nod to the first one. Yep. Uh, coming out of the, the dark closet was another scene. Towards mm-hmm. the end was a great nod. Uh, the over-the-balcony sequence was not was great. People, yep. I openly cheered. I was like, ah, oh, that's a great nod. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of little nods to the first one that were great. Do you think that there was... <sighs> Now, anytime we see one of these films, yeah, do those nods? Is it just paying respect, or do you think they actually did something to enhance the story? It's a pay respect. Okay. Same. Like it's fun. That was it's, what it's, I kind of gets, gets a rise. Like, oh, that's cool because people openly cheered when we watched it. Yeah, because we get it. Well, I mean, the first time we hear the theme music, yeah, the newer version that mm-hmm. um, I forget who redid it. Yeah. As soon as we hear that piano. Those of us, you know, who are fans of the original, like that, just that hit us in our nostalgia. Yeah. Um, I loved the cr- the opening credits, how it has yeah. the. It not, looks the, very the, 1970s. The deflated, yeah. or the, the rotting pumpkin. Yeah. That as the credits go forward, it's coming it, up, yeah. it comes back to life. Yeah. It looked, the, 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 the font, font, the oh, font yeah. looks very 70s. It was <laughs> really cool. Um, <clears throat> there's some really good murders in this. I was going to ask what your favorite favorite murder was. My favorite <laughs> kill, and there's a couple. There's him in the background beating the stew out of somebody. Yes, in the in the, <laughs> in, at the parking garage or the, at the gas station. Gas station. Uh, that was one of my favorites. I was like, oh, wow. He's just going to town. No one is seeing this. Nope. He's going to town, this guy. And that was a very movie, like horror movie cliche. Yeah. That, that no one sees that what's nobody happening. nobody sees. <laughs> um, 
probably the girl who gets stabbed in the neck. Oh, that whole sequence of her being on the phone. Mm-hmm. She goes to the house. You see like his shadow against the against the against mm-hmm. the, the garage the side of the house. Yeah, or the side of the house next to the garage. And then she she actually walks to the front of the window to look for whatever. He comes in behind her and just stabs her in the back of the neck. The whole knife goes to her neck Which, and just leaves her. Part of it is, yes, that was kind of a, I mean, <laughs> sounds so weird to say, a good one. Yeah. But I still do not understand, and maybe we're not meant to understand, right. why Michael does what he does. Because he, is, he was walking by that house. He did not have to go through that house to get somewhere. He was walking on the sidewalk. It's a murderer. Looks to the right and was like, oh, let me creep in this. Loomis stab. said he's pure evil. That's, that's the... That's, that's Loomis's line. It he is, is pure evil. Because I, I guess I just do not understand some of the people that he killed. I just there is no reason, of course, I mean, for any of it. But some of it was just the first one made sense in the first movie because it's five mm-hmm. people and like yeah. these kills were a means to an end. He wasn't just yeah. riding around Hattonfield. This one that up. was that was why I felt weird. He just is walking yeah, on the this, sidewalks. But, yeah, that's what horror movies are now. They, they needed a higher body count. Like yeah, so they replace the stalking aspect which is terrifying to most women i know like a dude mm-hmm. just staring at you from a distance and you're not sure who he is with just a high body count just unabashed killing and that was the other thing is when it comes to replacing <laughs> things the original in 1978 did a lot of the horror movies were doing in the 70s 80s and 90s mm-hmm. where women just happen to be naked right there are multiple scenes where women are just naked in horror movies mm-hmm. for no reason and it is this weird fetishiza- fetishization mm-hmm. Fetization? Fetization? That is a weird word. Mm-hmm. Of the female body mixed with murder. Mm-hmm. So this one, they replace that. We we do not see any of it except for a flashback mm-hmm. from 1978. They replace that with more kills. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. Like I, Not even kills. Like, there are kills we don't see. There are people we just see, like, stabbed. Or well, the jaw ripped out, or whatever. Yeah, and, and again, There's a lot of that we don't see. We don't we don't see how this person died. They're just, they're, but they are dead. They're very much a dead person. Yeah, and it, again, some of the horror movie stuff that you kind of have the willing suspension of disbelief. How did he pull all that man's teeth out? Who I like, don't know. By, I don't want to find out by the root. Um, and the, like they were, they telegraph a lot of these kills. Which mm-hmm. yes, it is a horror movie. Right. At one point, of course, they're running away. What is there? Oh, a big fence with giant spikes on it. Yeah. As soon as I see that, I was like, he's right. getting spiked. <laughs> Somebody is getting spiked. But what's interesting is we see that person get stabbed, and it was like, wow, they actually did not do that. She comes back and there's a, pa- he's pan spiked. to it, and then it, then it was spiked. And I was like, come on, man. You gotta spike like, him. Uh, I mean, that's in the murderer's <laughs> manual. Spike him. <laughs> Are you ready to talk about uh, Julian, the little kid getting babysat? Uh, how he was probably one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> the best part of this movie. This kid. What's his name? Jabril. Jabril. Uh, let, me, let me pull it up. He Jum- was amazing. Yeah. Jutambu something. He has a. I'm going to butcher this kid's last name. I'm bad with last names today. <laughs> um, That little kid was great. Let and it starts with that conversation he's having with the babysitter who we're all pretty sure is going to die. Uh, yeah. And he's like, I know you're going to smoke weed. Like he's just <laughs> having a conversation and she threatens to show his parents. Um. His Jabral Nantambu. Bro- uh, Nantambu. To show his, her, his parents his browser history. And then Michael's in the house at some point. When her boyfriend yeah. comes over and they're. Uh, How he gets there. They're dry humping as, as teenagers do. And right. he comes downstairs. I did like that, that line though. Yeah. She was like, 
I'm going to drive up <laughs> you so good. <laughs> just like weird, but they're high schoolers. They're high schoolers. Like, and um, I, again, I would rather see that than like actual than, than the 70s yeah, and yeah. 80s version where you know the chick would be topless and then yeah. knifed. Um, he comes downstairs. Like there was somebody outside of my door just looking at me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't want to go upstairs. Mm-hmm. She goes upstairs. She pretends that she saw someone. She talks to him about it. He, she, he, this is in the trailer where she goes to close the closet door, opens it. Michael's in there. Mm-hmm. He's out of there. Yeah. That little kid is out of there, mm-hmm. down the stairs. She, of course, slips and falls on a hardwood floor. Of course. Michael's dragging her back in the room for murder, and <laughs> yep. he runs back up the stairs, and mm-hmm. he curses, and <laughs> runs back mm-hmm. back down the stairs and tells her boyfriend, you're going to die if you go up there. So what does the boyfriend do? Of course. Goes and up. that's the last we see of that kid. Yep. He's like, you're going to die. <laughs> you go up there. Deuces. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Greatest kid in the world. Yeah. It reminds me of, of uh, Scream 2. Dwayne, Dwayne Martin's character. Oh, wow. So after, after um, what's the name, gets killed in the van, mm-hmm. um, they they find the dead body in the van, and they're, they're, they're having this plot. We're going to find a killer. And he's like, no, I'm a cameraman. It's mm-hmm. not my job. I'm out of here. So you, you yep. and this murder posse, yep. I'm out of here. And, and then, we never see him again. No, he shows up at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah, the end. He's yeah, like, yeah. hey, I'm back to do my job. Now the murders are done. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Dwayne, that's me. Yeah. And I'm not sticking around. I'm not oh, chasing well. down someone who's killed dozens of people. I'm just not doing it. And Julian mm-hmm. had the right idea to get out of town. That kid yep. was great. Yeah. Uh, I could uh, just watch his scene. Like his, the funny is about that whole sequence. That whole sequence is a short horror film. That whole yeah. sequence. Yep. Girl, babysitter, I seen the boogeyman in my house, go upstairs, there's nothing in here. Oh, can you close the closet door? Boogeyman's in the closet. Murder mm-hmm. happens. You're out of there. Yeah. Yeah. That was solid. Um, I liked that this was kind of a throwback to old horror, mm-hmm. where they were, it did not rely on jump scares. No. There were a couple of them, and they were... Oh, for sure. They were, But they were good. Yeah. Like, they actually made some sense. Yeah. Uh, they were not again like we watch so many of these horror movies where that is all the nun the nun perfect example where it's Annabelle just creation but Annabelle creation was good but there were yeah. definitely like heavy jump scares yeah. the nun that was all it had yeah this had just that atmospheric mm-hmm. terror that I thought was done really well the yeah. tone and like the music the pacing yeah the pacing gets slow like it again it it's hard to say I was bored we all know where it needed to get to. And some of it was just like, come on, just it's a short movie. I don't. You got bored with the pacing. I like the scene when when dude before dude gets spiked, when the motion lights are going off and and Michael's moving classic. in the dark and he doesn't yep. see him. He's like, hey, he thinks he's talking to the neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie comes in at about an hour forty five. In and out. Yeah. It just it, there was some of you it. Just, that, you wanted to get to the finale and see how they end this. Yeah. And then yeah. when it did. I had some I had some problems. What are your with issues it. with the problem with the, with the with the ending? We cannot talk about it because we're not doing spoilers. With how it ended, uh, some of the choices that were made towards the end by the characters. Yes, that's part of horror movies. What are you talking about? That's the whole point of a horror movie. Like this movie doesn't work if people don't do dumb stuff. That's right. That that is the genre. Pick a movie. Mm-hmm. If you don't do dumb stuff, like we just watched Friday Thirteenth Part Three. We're going to discuss on Man in the 80s. And like, oh, nice. this girl goes back to Camp Crystal Lake after she survived. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would you go back? <laughs> None of us would go back. Never. No one listening to this pot. No one hearing my voice right now would ever go back Mm-mm. after surviving a horrendous murder. I don't care where it's at. I don't care if it's in Kent. I'm never going to Kent again. <laughs> I don't have to go there. Mm-hmm. Right? So th- these movies rely on people just being stupid. That's part of the genre. Yep. 
It's it's in every horror movie. Now the other thing with this is that uh, Danny McBride, yeah, you know, was involved with this, and when he was announced, it was an interesting choice because you know we kind of know him from like irreverent, you know, comedies and everything. Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down. There, you can see every Danny McBride ism mm-hmm. in this movie. Dick There's joke. a really <laughs> dick joke. It's a good dick joke. The the funny scene in the car with the Bon Me sandwich, yeah. like. 100% of that was Danny McBride. Yeah. Uh, so, again, it has those comedic elements, which a mm-hmm. lot of horror tends to do. Right. I think to kind of get you a little bit relaxed mm-hmm. to then hit you with the next thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, sometimes it, it just it felt like it was in a different movie. Um, no, it, it worked. For, for me, it worked. Because yeah. I think that's part – whether it be Danny McBride or Jordan Peele or whoever, a lot of us have grown up on horror movies, especially mm-hmm. – we're all sort of in the same age range, so we grew up on like the Halloweens of the world. And before it got to this sort of gore porn stuff, right. um, it was a lot of very interesting stories, whether it be prom night, Halloween, The Blob, uh, The Mist, you Pet Cemetery, Pet Cemetery, all of these movies, right? The original It. Yep. We grew up on all of this stuff and all this really interesting horror, and so they're fans of it, and they add what they do, which is comedy, mm-hmm. to this movie. Even Get Out, right? Get Out has has those scenes when he when he's talking to his friend played by Rel, Lil Rel, right. and that's hilarious. Yeah, but that's because he's a, a comedy guy. Yeah, but in, at his core, you're you're retelling the story because we all understand those horrors. We understand at at his core, it's a movie about this woman who hasn't moved past this traumatic event, and she's anticipating the worst thing happening, right? Which is why mm-hmm. people have security in their homes, why people have emergency kits and all these other things, right? But then that thing does happen, and then how does she react to it and protect the one right. she loves? That's the movie, and whether you're in a comedy or not, I think you can identify with that. Mm-hmm. And then this movie just told through the lens of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and Haddonfield and all these murders, and you're just pulling in these other things you've known from the original and sort of trying to make this pretty picture. Um, so yeah, it's, of course it's going to have that in him, but I think that's that's most yeah, people who've grown up on Yeah, it's not take away films. from the movie. Yeah. Um, but it was just, yeah, I mean, you could just see his involvement, which is fine. Um, I think those are kind of all for the new Dr. Loomis. He's all right. Who's all right. Um, he kind of has a, an interesting scene that I was just like, hmm. Eh. It, just it, kinda, it would make sense that someone would do that. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I could see someone. Because it's been 40 years. So I'd imagine people may not have the most healthy relationship with the story. True. I mean, there we be plenty of people who just we see that we see it. We see that happen with murderers. They had now. a whole show based on that. I'm trying to think. What, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay. We had a whole show based on that. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So yeah, that would uh, that I think was all of mine. Uh, like I said, one of my favorite things is that not favorite things. One of the choices that I liked the most is that they replaced the the kind of nudity aspect. You know, and just went a different way, even though what they replaced it with is just weird killings. Yeah, it's weird, a high body count. Weird, gruesome killings. But you got body count up there. It's it's definitely in the teens. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And we talked before the movie started, like about our favorite kills from the original. Yeah. Mine is the boyfriend against the cupboard in the kitchen. Yeah. Where he just stabs him slowly, not like a yeah. hard time, just like slowly, and then walks away, and he is still hanging there. Yeah. There definitely is one of those in this. There is. So. Um, did you have a favorite sequence in the film? Uh, I mean, the favorite sequence, I mean, the, other, other the, than the babysitting one with, 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 right. The, with the, the garage kid. scene, honestly, like the, the, not the garage, the gas station scene. Yeah. 
God, she should have ran. When, yeah, like, when, why are you not running? <laughs> why are I, you still sitting crouched in the corner? Yeah. Michael has this obsession in this movie with head trauma. He is slamming people's heads left and right. Seriously. Just relentlessly. I mean, concussion city. <laughs> yeah, he is giving people. If they were to survive. Yeah, he's giving people concussions for real. Um, but yeah, so that scene, because again, it is in the background. And it yeah. reminded me of like, not another scary movie. Yeah. Or not. Um, uh, I know what you did last summer. No, no, yeah, I know. No, the the mock one though, uh, not not another teen movie, but the the scary movie. Scary movies. Was that scary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah scary movie. We're like, yeah, there's something going on ten feet away. Yeah. A murder is happening, and people are just like, uh, on pump two, yeah. could I get blown? That was great. So right. that was probably one one of mine. What about yours? Uh probably um. Um, wow, that's a tough one. Probably the sequence with um, um, with those with those state troopers. The well, they're which, not sure what's happening. Oh, okay. I was like, which one? Yeah, they're they're not sure what's happening, and they go and investigate, and mm. and then end up at the house. Yeah, one of the more grotesque, grotesque kill moments that also makes no biological sense. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Whatsoever. Yeah. I was like, how did he do that? <laughs> it, it, he did not. Like, that was... That, that is not how... Life, it, that is, a real-life jack-o'-lantern. That's not how anatomy <laughs> works, people. Uh, no, he had a really... He had a lot of... I mean, that was one of them. He had a lot of really, really cool scenes. Um, no, I'll take that back. It's probably the sequence when the girl gets stabbed. That whole sequence of him walking up mm. and seeing Julian's parents and the mom looking at him like, who is that dude? Looks crazy. And then them getting in the car and leaving and then him going to the other house and killing the girl. Gotcha. And then, like, he sort of, like, stroll through Haddonfield. Okay. Picking houses. Nice. Uh, all right. So, official rating for Halloween. Oh, I forgot to say. It was directed by David Gordon David Green. David Gordon Green. Yeah. I interviewed him one year for Sith, man. He's really funny. Oh, really? He's I was going to say, like, he... He's pretty funny. He has done a lot of, like, indie stuff, yeah. but... I mean, granted, Blumhouse, that is yeah. kind of what here for Sith a couple years ago. He's pretty great. We got to talk about a little bit about Eastbound and Down, so that was good. Was he involved in that, too? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, cool. So, your what is your official rating for Halloween? Uh, good. It's good. It's if you like the original, it's definitely worth watching. It's probably the best sequel they've done. Um, I mean, the second one had a really high body count, but the story was kind of all isolated in this in this hospital. But this is, you know, the best sequel. I don't know if we'll see more of these movies. I hope so. Um, yeah. I like that they they did a lot with a little, sort of a very minimal story, and they told a really interesting story. I really want to know who taught Michael Myers how to drive because he is driving plenty of vehicles. Man, in he is. He's like BA. He's just getting right. vehicles. No matter what, driving yeah. around. Uh, so good for him. Um, but yeah, really, really fun story. Um, and the, they're they're setting up other films when you with the, when you add the granddaughter who's sort of yeah the younger scream queen of the bunch who's got a pretty good scream. Mm-hmm. We hear she has a pretty good scream. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, I liked it. Nice. Uh, I definitely agree that this is. A fantastic sequel, especially 40 years after. Yeah. Ignoring everything else. Um, I honestly don't think I've seen... You, you miss Halloween. Of, you guys see Halloween Resurrection, just for Buster Rhymes fighting Michael Myers. That might be one of the ones that... I thought that was H2O. Was mm-hmm. that Resurrection? That was Resurrection. And okay. Tyra Banks gets killed. Right. <laughs> right. <gasps> it's uh, called Dangertainment is the thing they're doing. Oh, God. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it's early internet stuff, so it's super funny. Like, we're going to do a live stream inside, of, inside of the Myers home. You got to stay here all night. You get money. Wow. Yeah. It's well, it's like great. trying to rewatch the first Fast and the Furious. Oh. And the thing they were stealing were like DVD players. Yeah. 
You got to rewatch the net. That's even worse. Oh, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. That, that movie was rough. You got to rewatch that. Um, so yeah, definitely like solid transition. 40 years later, feels like it picked up right away. Um, again, I had problems with some of the, the story and some of the, I mean, the characters were good. You can say bad. I'm not going to be upset I mean, I, I give this a, a bad, I'm, oh, but I'm, I'm upset at you. <laughs> I might watch it again at some point. Just kind of, you know, see, see what I miss, you know, see if I kind of feel this way again. It is one of those movies where I feel like I, I want to watch it again right. at some point. But yeah, when I first came out of it, you know, as much as I, I the things that I liked about it, yeah. you know, the the way it was shot was old school. Mm-hmm. The budget was old school. Oh yeah, that reminds me. Uh, the thirty million, right? Budget ten million. Ten million. Jeez, that is impressive. It's a lot for ten million. That yeah, that that is a solid that movie a lot. for ten million. That, that's the Blue Mouse model. And as of recording, seventy-seven point five. So when Jamie Lee Curtis deserves so much respect. Yeah. Um, she is what fifty-nine. Yeah. I want to say. And is crushing into the box office. Yeah. She was... Her character was compelling for her narcissism. Yeah. I just wish that there had been a couple more things that stayed steady throughout. Uh, but yeah. So I, I give it a bad. But if you are fans of horror, I think you will enjoy this. If you like the Halloween franchise, mm-hmm. this is a return to form. Yeah. Like, this is very much old school horror movie. So, there you go. Uh, so... Titans episode one, we did not give an official rating for because we are only two episodes in, so we'll catch up with that in a couple months. Uh, Daredevil season three gets an absolute good. We both really enjoyed it, and wherever they go with Daredevil, I'm on board for. Yeah, Iron Fist, fun. Luke Cage, sure, but Daredevil has been solid. Yeah. So I really enjoy that. Uh, Halloween got a good and a bad. Uh, what kind of upcoming stuff do you got going on? I know we have a couple uh, of the same things, but... Yeah, uh, doing interviews for mid-90s. I don't mm-hmm. know who we're talking to, but that's coming up. Um, our main Yetis episode this week is The Thing. John Carpenter's ah, The Thing. So your favorite. Talk about that. It was sort of a rush episode because they had stuff to do, but uh, we talked about that. And then next we're doing... I'm shocked you guys have not done that. You guys have like 45 episodes. We don't episodes. really do spooky stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Should outside we, uh... of October. She can't do it. Yep. So... Uh, next we're doing Friday the 13th Part 3 is our last October right. one, which is a crazy rewatch. Man, that movie's crazy. And then... And you um, said Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Um, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Alien. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. We so did, good. We did those. And so then... And then next... I think after that we're doing like Top Gun or something. We're gonna do something lighter. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Uh, yeah. So as for the About to Review podcast, yeah, same thing. We have a screening of mid-90s. Um, as well as some interviews with the cast that should be dropping next week, um, I think is when uh, when all that will be there. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Super excited for that. Uh, Suspiria, what they had, um, are also movies that are coming out. Uh, and then this upcoming weekend, I will be at Geek Girl Con mm-hmm. for the third year in a row. So I'll be covering that, going to panels, interviewing some of the amazing creators that they have at Geek Girl Con here in Seattle. Uh, and then the week after that, I will be at the Seattle 48-hour horror film project, uh, supporting the local filmmaking community. Uh, those screenings are also going to be this weekend. I will put a link to those in the description below. Uh, but yeah, so that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, like I said before, at the top of the show, subscribe to the podcast on your podcast catcher of choice. It is listed everywhere except for Spotify. Thank you for pointing that out. One of my listeners. 
Spotify, I looked at their terms and conditions. I'm still kind of seeing if that is an avenue I want to go down. But thank you for at least bringing it to my attention that I am not on there. Uh, so I will look into that. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and AboutToReview.com for full links to show notes and guests. So for this episode, uh, this week's episode of the About to Review podcast, I have been joined by... Uh, Tim, the People's Critic. And they can find you... At PeoplesCriticBlog.com, on Twitter, People's Critic, Instagram. Fantastic. And I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.